Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is producer-director Lori Miller, and we're going to be talking the brand, about her brand new documentary called Living Wine. Welcome to the show, Lori. Nice to have you here. Hi, thanks for having me. Really excited to talk about the film with you. Well, I'm excited about talking about this film also. As soon as I saw it, I went, oh, this is something I really want to talk about, because it's, it's you're right, I mean, there's so many things in this, but as I was watching watching it yesterday, <laughs> drinking my wine that I <laughs> is mass produced. And I was thinking, oh, no, I shouldn't be drinking this. <laughs> I should be looking for the more natural wine, because I try to do everything organic. And, you know, I have through most of my adult life and, you know, try to eat well and follow all the great things that we're supposed to do, except for drinking wine. <laughs> I'm exactly like you. I mean, this is what exactly inspired me to make the film. I've spent decades just being so careful about my diet and and trying to support local farmers and you know I have a kid and making sure she ate well and wasn't you know trying to minimize all the hormones and the antibiotics in the food right. and I love wine me too you know, I have to admit it's me like too wine coffee are kind of my vices and me too <laughs> it's always sort of fun to get together with friends after a long week and you know open up the bottle and I just was really really surprised when I found out that there's this whole demographic of people, maybe not the younger generation, they probably are already on the natural wine train, like Gen Z and even millennials. But I, I think within that group too, there's still many people that you know would love to know about this. But right. just like you're saying, I thought that the wine I was just buying at wherever, Whole Foods or you know in LA, we have Ralph's is our big corporate grocery right. store. I just thought it was a natural beverage and I was surprised to find that it isn't. And of course, there are many gradations from the pure natural wine, which is sort of featured in our film, right. to the like really hugely mass produced. So there's all kinds of middle grounds along the way. But I really wanted to show the, the true artisans who were, I felt, super visionary and how they approach their work, just real purists and, and show what could be done. And have you tried the natural wine yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's hard to find it. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the other problem because they are not able to produce as much as the the yeah. big, you know, winemakers, uh, conglomerates and whatnot. So it's more difficult to find. It's, you know, and every once in a while I will see, oh, organic wine. Great. Yes, right. I'll, I'll buy that. It's hard to find. And also, I think, you know, there may be some corporate wine producers that are going to try to make some of their not natural wines appear more natural natural in the grocery store by calling it organic or even handmade or natural. So it's so hard to even know mm. that you're buying real stuff. And luckily there are some shops that you can order from online. You can always order directly. Uh, you can go on the actually the raw wine website and it lists internationally real natural wine producers all over the world. And you can literally go on their sites and either to order directly or find out where their wines are carried. But it, there is this confusion and I found it even confusing when I was making the film, you know, about what really is the real natural wine. But okay. but I do think any, any steps the 
industry takes toward farming without chemicals and using natural yeast for fermentation and then not manipulating the taste through additives um, or mass producing wine. Any steps they take will be better for the environment and possibly more healthful as a consumer. Right. Raw wine. Is that what it is? Rawwine.com kind of thing? I think so. I'm just familiar with the site. It's just uh, Google raw wine. Okay. Because, you know, after definitely seeing this movie, I want to support these winemakers and what they're doing and the struggles and everything they've gone through. Go ahead. Most of the winemakers in the film, if not all, you can just order directly on their website. Okay. Later on, when we we post this on social media, I'm going to ask you to send me that information because we'll put that on social media too help support them and what they're doing because um yeah it, i think it's very important i thought with organic when you know w- with our foods they have to go through a process and prove that they're organic that's not true for wine no apparently not as far as i'm aware there aren't any sort of regulations around wine labeling one of the things i learned making the film is that there are no ingredients lists on wine so when you that's buy true. a bottle of wine you don't know how it's been farmed right and if anything's been added to it so it's uh it's very it can be confusing but um the winemakers in the film that i followed for the most part go even a step further than organic farming they do regenerative farming which is essentially they don't use any fertilizers not even organic fertilizers and they are really sort of at the forefront of this movement to create healthy soil. So what I learned making the film is that regular agriculture, which is involves tilling and possibly some type of fertilizer, herbicide, any type of chemical input actually degrades the natural microbiome of the soil. So all those amazing nutrients that used to be in our soil before we started tilling through this mass agricultural, industrial agricultural thing that we started as a society after World War II, we've really degraded the health of the soil. And all the farmers, winemakers in the film are actually creating super healthy soil biome through their different techniques. And unfortunately, I didn't cover all of them in the film, but one of our winemakers, Megan Bell, is involved in regenerative farm in central California that uses sheep grazing as a, as a method of ah. regenerative farming. And Derek Trowbridge, our regenerative farmer, he's invented this kind of special mulch, which has a special fungus in it that creates a soil biome. So there were so many aspects to this that I just found really interesting. Yeah. You know, that, guys going along. It, it was, and that was very fascinating, you know, that, that he's created this, you know, special mulch. I mean, it, everyone that you covered in this film, all of their stories were really interesting and in, in how they came to it. And each one was different in what they were doing and how they were doing it. Now, I live, well, I live in California, so we live in wine country, but I lived in Monterey County for over 16 years. So there's a lot of great wines from Monterey County. I have dear friends who had vineyards up in Napa and Sonoma, and now I'm in Santa Barbara, another part of the wine country in, in this uh, state. Well, up all up and down the coast pretty much. So again, I want to go look for and find the winemakers here. Have, I just there, recently there, moved there here. There are quite a few near you as far as I know. I'm, I'm sad I didn't reach out to any of them, but I know that Santa Barbara and Paso Robles, all the central coast is really going. So yeah, that's interesting. Now I'm going to, as I said, I'm going to start to seek them out and everything. How did you get involved in this? What made you decide to make this film? Well, I guess the, the actual event that sparked it was that 
that my brother lives in Northern California and he and his family had moved from the city to Santa Rosa and their house burned down in the Tubbs fire. And it was really upsetting to everyone, obviously. Uh, they, they were fine. They were actually out of town at a, a relative's wedding that weekend. Oh, wow. But that was that fire that just whipped through the neighborhoods and mm-hmm. it was in the middle of the night. There was no you warning. Know, there was no warning. And I so know. I was already just very, very aware. And I live in Los Angeles. So the climate change is just ever present. It's very upsetting. We, you know, I wanted to try to do something on my end to make some contribution. So, yes. Yeah, so what happened was they were unable to build on that site. It was it was too difficult after the house burned down. And they, they actually found a home that had a small vineyard on it. And they'd always been interested. My brother and his wife had always been interested in wine and food. And the property had olive trees and gardens. And they wanted to grow their own food. And they wanted to try to make some home, home wine. This is apparently very popular in, in uh, Sonoma and Napa. A lot yeah. of people grow grapes. And it is, yeah. A few bottles of wine every year. And he started to talk to me about what was going on in this particular vineyard. The the family that had owned the house beforehand had a vineyard management company taking care of their vines. It's sort of like in LA, you have a gardener who comes and helps you keep your plants healthy. Well, they have a company that comes and helps them. And they realized that they were spraying Roundup on their grapes every few weeks. And it was getting into their well, their water system. Right. And they knew nothing about wine growing or winemaking, but they were just so surprised. Like, why are you spraying Roundup in our, basically in our garden in a big, big way like this? And a friend of my brother's is actually Derek Trowbridge's sister and introduced him to Derek. And he went through this process of converting from conventional to organic or really regenerative. And I was just so fascinated by the story. And then he sent me a case of natural wine and I had never tried it before. And it was it was an interesting experience the first time. And once you start drinking natural wine, it could take a while. You know, it's hard to go back to the conventional wine. But that was sort of the event that sparked it. But what made me actually make the film is sort of a combination of what you brought up in the beginning. I thought billions of people are drinking wine and probably there's a good chunk of them that don't realize actually that it's been sort of corporatized. Mm-hmm. You know, that their wine has been corporatized and that there is this kind of more local alternative, more natural alternative. So I thought it would just maybe there'd be a way to get that message out because a lot of people seemed unaware. I was unaware. So that was that. And then I started to meet some of the winemakers and I was really just blown away by just them as people. They're just so true to their vision. They don't think about what do other people think or who do I need to please to do this? They just have such a strong vision about why they want to be doing what they're doing. And you had mentioned they're all very different. Mm -hmm. And that was another thing that I thought was fascinating in terms of making the film is just like natural wine is really not one generic thing. It's sort of like a large overreaching term that includes so many different artisans and craftspeople and producers who all have these unbelievably unique stories and point of view in the work that they're doing. And as a filmmaker, I just felt so lucky to have met these people and get them have the opportunity to get them on camera. How did you meet each one of them? How did that come about? You, you, the yeah. tro- trobid you mentioned. Yeah, but. so I met Derek through my brother and we started with him and I think when I started filming him and, and just kind of observing what he was doing and talking to him and I just thought, wow, this is just 
like for me, who knew? And it was it was really interesting. And I coincidentally had read a New Yorker piece, I think it was a year prior to meeting Derek, that featured Gideon Beinsack and Donnie Roseman, who were in the film. And I realized there's this kind of whole enclave of natural winemakers up in the Sierra foothills mm-hmm. doing this super interesting work. They're really dealing with climate change in a way mm-hmm. that is maybe it's maybe more aggressive up there because it's it's so close to where the Paradise Fire was. It's just the the, the drought and the heat. The the heat is just amazing there. But they just keep going because you know the vines survive. They know how to they know how to grow them and they make they make these interesting these beautiful tasting wines based on the soil. So I had read that article and after I started interviewing Derek, I was I remembered that I'd read that article and thought it was so interesting and I reached out to Gideon. And he said he he would be interested. So we went up for the first time and met with he and his wife, Saren, and heard their story. And then I, I felt really strongly about bringing a female voice into the project. I really believe that probably the corporate wine industry is is mainly male dominated. I know there are a lot of female run wineries and, you know, wine businesses, but it does, you know, sort of like Hollywood and other industries, of course, I think it's harder for women to break in. And I spoke with Derek about it and he introduced me to Megan, who he had, he knew um, professionally. He thought she might be interesting. And um, I was so excited to meet her. She was, you know, very articulate about explaining, um, you know, the corporate wine industry and what it was like to, you know, come out of that sort of standard training educationally and work-wise. And and here she was, just this kind of like maverick saying like, that won't work for me and I'm going to do this instead. And, you know, one of my favorite lines in the film is, um, if I was in a nicer industry, I wouldn't have started my own business. And I thought that was really (laughs) interesting. (laughs) Very interesting. Yeah, her, her her story is very all of them. I mean, they're all interesting. Every 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 single person that you have in this film is is fascinating, and their stories are all unique and different and everything. Um, for our audience, can you just explain regenerative regenerative? Yeah, wine making okay. versus. Hopefully I, hopefully, I won't mess it up. Okay, um, but regenerative farming, as best as I can describe it, is about regenerating soil essentially healing soil and um so any type of farming that involves in any input like a fertilizer of any kind even if it's organic or chemical is is possibly not regenerating to the soil um essentially if you can focus on the healthy soil and the soil biome you're um you'll have healthier crops and so that's called regenerative. Um, but I might have messed it up. I probably should have had like Derek or Tim on the line to really. You didn't know I was going to. Th- how I got it. I was going to throw that curveball at you. That's <laughs> okay. I should I should know the exact definition. Well, you, you, as a filmmaker, my take on it is that it, it's regenerative is healing to the soil and to the plants. Yeah. By regenerating the soil. Very good. I think you hit it. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You might need to have another call. And go back <laughs> you passed the you passed the test anyhow on that yeah. one. Um, <laughs> what was the most difficult part? I mean, when did you film this, and how long did it take you to film it? And then, what was this two part question? And and what was the most difficult part of filming it? 
Mm-hmm. Well, we started filming, I'm going to say late spring 2020 um, during the pandemic. And we kind of filmed on and off for about a year. But um, most of our efforts were focused um, at the beginning, uh, you know, uh, through that, throughout that entire summer, I guess from sort of like May, June through October, we went through an entire, you know, harvest season. And um, so, you know, one of the things was, oh, we were, you know, we were filming during COVID and this was before um, vaccines and treatments mm-hmm. were available. So um, most of the filming was outside and, and everyone participating was super, super, you know, nice about it. But, you know, I guess we didn't understand the virus too well at that point. And I was really, really worried about, you know, possibly, you know, giving it to one of our film subjects. You know, none of us got it or gave it to anyone, but I wouldn't want anyone to be harmed, you know, during, during the filming process. And, um, you know, it's always, it's always a challenge also, um, you know, to find the narrative structure, the narrative arc, to find that the story with the beginning, middle and end, when you think a subject is interesting, it may not translate into like an actual narrative, driving narrative. And so, you know, we worked really, really hard in post to kind of try to find a way to have three acts that built, you know, built a story along the way. And that's always a, a puzzle, a challenge too, you know, and I guess, I guess thirdly, just having just recently met the subjects and, you know, they were so open to being filmed, you know, you just want to, you just want to do right by them. And, you know, I, I always worry about, about that when I'm doing a documentary versus, you know, like a, a fictional project right so. right right no you did a good job a really good job with this film <laughs> it's uh you know it's also because so much of this is uh, has to do with climate change um you know it is also a treaty on that and yeah. you know i've done other films that um have touched on you know climate i've done quite a few on climate change and our water and our drought and uh that's why i love what i do because i learn so much you know watching films i may not have ever seen before or became aware of and uh so this it's always amazing because this is such a big topic and certainly for us in california i think uh i think you know it's even bigger for us in some other parts of the country because we just don't get any rain you know it just doesn't rain here (laughs) when it rains we're like so happy and excited (laughs) and the rest of the country i'm from the east coast originally in the midwest and you know and you know rain we got lots of it you know when you hated a rainy day here it's like yes it's a holiday (laughs) so and we have fewer and fewer and fewer of them who knows what's going to go on i mean so the farming is such a big aspect of climate change and obviously we are the you know, the salad bowl of the country also in this, in this state. Um, and so until we make some changes around that and also, you know, to cancer, cancer is just so prolific. I, I just lost two friends in May of cancer, you know, and, you know, one just three weeks to, you know, from diagnosis to death. It was that fast. Um, so you, you know, you, you just don't know when you, and I go, it has to be in our food and our water. 
that we just can't seem to get on top yeah. of that either. I mean, how many years yeah. have we been doing cancer research? It's got to be what we're putting in our bodies, you know. It's and, so true. One of the things that I was thinking about while you were talking about that, um, and I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. No, no. Oh, thank you. It's thank terrible. Um, thank you. you know, the Roundup that and the other chemical yeah. inputs that are used, you know, are are not necessarily not in the soils for organic or regenerative farmers. It's in the water table. It's it travels. Right. It it you know it's in our dust. It blows. You know it's just it's very hard to get rid of this stuff. And so if you if there are you know agriculture really if the, if the industry can look at this in a bigger way you know and try to break down some of these materials and stop using them all the time it's going to help everybody you know and that's that's the goal you know cuz you know natural wine is at least the, the wine that i you know looked at in the film it's it's handmade and it's you know Nothing is going to be super inexpensive that's handmade like that, and I, you know, and that's another issue. How do you get? How does everyone get access to the healthier choices? You know, um, and I think in the wine industry as well. But it's these chemicals are everywhere. They are. I did a years ago the, a, a documentary exactly about Roundup, actually, you know, and, and oh. organic fa- farmers next to non-organic farmers and how, you know, it would blow into, you know, so because of the wind. So, we you know, we do the best we can. Uh, you know, I've had, a, I've, as I said, I have tried to do organic for as long as I can remember. And a lot of people go, oh, that's so expensive. I said, so it's our health. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd rather put my money in my food and what I'm putting in my body than put it in yeah. a pharmaceutical drug later on, you know. So, um, so it's, you know, it's, I guess, you know, it's not a trade off as far as I'm concerned. There's only one way of yeah. doing yeah. things. Lori, such a pleasure talking with you. Where can people see living wine? Because it is something that should be seen. And by the way, I don't know. I hope somebody from PBS is listening to this because I think this is a film that should be on PBS. So I just want to say that when I was watching it, I said, this is a perfect film for PBS. So I'm just going to put that out there to the universe for you. But where can people see it uh, in the meantime? Yeah. So um, we're doing a couple things to start. Um, um, Our distributor is Abramarama in New York, and they have um, they have great relationships with independent movie theaters. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I'm I'm really happy that we're going to be in independent movie theaters because, um, you know, these are independent winemakers and, you know, it's the sort of anti-corporate wine. So we're going to be in a lot of those kind of neighborhood theaters that show documentaries and independent films. And, you know, we're going to be in uh, a bunch of places to start out like, like Berkeley, Sebastopol and San Rafael. We're going to be in New York city, um, in on July 22nd, um, the, the first places I mentioned, July 15th weekend, and a whole bunch of other indie theaters. Um, one of them is Sedona, which I think is a great market for the, the film. Yes. Um, we're also working with um, Kinema, which does community screenings. So we're hoping to have community screenings with discussions around the film. And so we're going to be doing screenings for several months. Great. And then Great. Ultimately, you know, the film will be available. Wonderful. Um, well, it's a pleasure having you on the show. I miss you. Wish you much success with Living Wine and people seek it out. Uh, it's, you know, 
It's one that you should be watching. If you like wine, you should watch this movie. Definitely go see this movie. So thank you for being on the show, Laurie, and continued great works that you're doing. Uh Well, I so appreciate um, the interview. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. um, Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you've missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can go to my website, thejampriceshow.com, where all my shows are archived, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, you name it, we are there. We're on every single platform there is out there, I believe. Also, you can go to our YouTube channel, and while you're there, subscribe and like it, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.